Good morning, everybody. This is Paul Carruthers. I'm the communications manager for Moto America, and this is our weekly podcast off track. I do the show every week with, uh, with my cohort, Sean Bice. Sean's actually in Ohio. I'm in Southern California, but we still manage to make this thing work. Fortunately, I get up earlier than he does, but uh, so it all works out. <laughs> Sean, how are you today? Hey, I, real quick, I'm kind of excited yeah. about our guest today. Yeah. I, I, so most of the time we have guests on here, I know a lot about them. I have some kind of relationship with them. And this one's kind of cool because I actually don't. So it's, you know how you interview somebody that you don't really know anything about? You tend to you, you, you tend to ask different questions or whatever, and you find out more stuff than sometimes you find out about the guy that you think you know, but don't necessarily know all the way. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100% true, because people who are friends of yours, sometimes you never, you, you, you go along with them and see them, and you're like, you never really ask them a lot about their background, because you have so much other stuff to talk about. So I absolutely agree with you on that. And you know, it's funny, my wife's always giving me a hard time about the fact that, you know, I, and you know this, Paul, I know it drives you crazy too, but I talk to everybody and ask everybody questions, as you know. So, so I don't whether I know the person or not. It almost doesn't even matter to me. We will get to know them pretty quickly. Yeah, you're you're better about that than I am. That's probably why you know our guests a lot better than I do. I, I know them to say hi or whatever, but uh, I I knowing you, you you probably know what grocery store he shops at. Well, the funny thing is now when we bring them on, I, we, neither of us remember this, but well, we don't remember where we were, but last year I remember we were somewhere. It might've been, it could have been road America, but I, I can't remember, but I was at a, eater, a eatery, you know, standing in line and, you know, I didn't really know what, what uh, our guest looked like without a helmet on. And we got to talking and he, and he started, I go, Oh, you're Jeffrey Perkin. I we were like going back and forth a little bit. And neither of us really knew the, the other one was like involved. I might've had my Moto America shirt on or something, but I don't remember wh what round it was or where it was, but I just thought it was really funny that, you know, that happens a lot on race weekends. We all tend to go to the same places. It seems like, you know, to eat at night. So. Right. There's only, just... there's only so many chilies in town. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, you let the cat out of the bag, which is great. Our, our guest is Jeffrey Park, and uh, he's known to most people as the racing dentist because obviously being a dentist, I mean, that he, he's the only one I know of in the paddock, and he's the only motorcycle racer I know that's actually a dentist. So it's, uh, it'll be interesting to talk to him. But Jeff, welcome to the show. And, and I know you're driving. You, you had a busy day yesterday, or I hope busy. I know the weather was poor but you were at Button Willow yesterday doing some superbike testing with the attack team. And now you, it sounds like you're headed to Chuck Walla. Yeah. Good morning guys. Yeah. We were up at Button Willow with uh, Richard Stamboli and the attack team, Jake Gagne, Josh Heron, and Cam Bovier was there as well. So that and a, a lot of high winds. So we got a little bit, a little bit of testing, but uh, pulled the plug out of there early and decided to head over to Chuck Walla. Have you been to that track before? Uh, this is my this was my second time at Buttonwill. So the first time was right before Christmas, and so new track, new bike, um, and then I've never been to Chuck Wallace. So a lot of new stuff. I'm really excited. Yeah, I mean, tell us about. I'm excited to hear about the fact that you have some involvement with Attack and how that's going to be and what what your program's like this year. Tell us about that to start with. 
Well, um, it started out, I was planning to take my 17R1 and turn it into a superbike. And I knew some parts and pieces I wanted to get a hold of. So I contacted um, Chuck G at Shadow with Westby Racing. He gave me a letter of introduction to Richard Stamboli. I sent him an email. He shot back and answered. I was like, well, you could try to piece this together or you can just buy our 2019 Superbike. And I said, uh, give me 24 hours and I'll get back to you. Um, <laughs> thought about it and uh, went to my friendly credit unions. Like, how much equity can I borrow? And uh, never thought this would happen. But, yeah, I pulled the plug and like, let's go for it. So uh, let's have no excuses and uh, yeah, go straight to the top of the food chain. Now it's just all up to me. So. I got a quick question based on that. When you go to a credit union and you're borrowing money for to buy a race bike, did they do they know that or do they just think you're buying a motorcycle or are you just getting money? Um, no, because I've I've done it a couple different times. I, I bought a Ducati Panigale back in thirteen. It's like, look, I need an extra. You know, the bike was 32000 I need another 10000 for race parts. And they said, okay. So <laughs> they're, they're very friendly that way, I guess. So, <laughs> hey, so Jeff, two questions here um, on the bike. First of all, do you know, like, whose bike is it? Was it Jake's bike or was it Cameron's bike? Do you know? Um, it was Garrett Gerloff's 2019 bike. That oh, the, they the 19. I'm last, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, you said it's, 19. It's, I apologize. Yeah. Yeah, it was a 2019 because um, they had that. Uh, he sold Bobier's 2019 to a collector and then had Gerloff's. They were using it in 2020 as a backup. Um, so I guess they just had it sitting there and available and uh, turnkey operation. So, um, and the funny thing is, uh, Gerloff, he was 31. Well, I was 31 back in the day. I was 31 in Stock Thousand last year. I'm 31 this year in Superbike. So, same bike, same number. That's cool. So perfect. So perfect. You're going to change the livery, obviously, on it, right? Uh, yeah, because Monster's not paying me any money to run their stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish they were. I'd leave it just the way it is. Just, you know, write me a six-figure check and call it all good. Okay, I've got another question based on the fact that I don't know. I don't know your background. But it, it's interesting to me, and the, the, the first thing I thought of this morning was like, wh what came first for you? Did you, were you a motorcycle rider, a motorcycle racer, and then you went, and, and then you became a dentist, or were you a, a dentist and then decided you wanted to race motorcycling, race motorcycles later in life? I, I'm, I'm not sure on your background, uh, so that, that's interesting to me. Honestly, it is a sort of the chicken and the egg. I was on a motorcycle at the age of four. Um, you know, I wanted to be a supercross superstar back in the day. Roger DeCoster was my idol when I was a little kid. Um, wow. But, uh, you know, have my street license was never allowed to own my own bike. And then, uh, you know, smart kids. So, you know, it's always going to college, uh, went on to dental school. Um, once I got out of school, came home one day, I got a roommate. He's sitting there. This is 1993. I graduated high school in 84. He's got an 84 Honda VF1000F sitting in the garage. And I'm like, you want to sell that thing? So that was my first street bike that I owned. Two months later, Honda came out with the CBR 900 RR. I saw that in the 
second world centerfold. Looked like I'd opened up a Playboy for the first time. And uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd actually test rode it down at Deal's Gap. I'd gone on a road trip and dealer there had one and he let me ride it. Like that was, the rest is history. Um, I was hooked. Um, I was just hooked on street riding. I, I, I didn't even know track days existed then, to be honest. I knew very little about racing. Um, and much like the attack bike, I just sort of one thing led to another. I ran into a guy, introduced me to a guy and went and got my race license down at um, Hallett with Sam McDonald as the instructor in 94. Um, wow. Went down and watched the uh, GNF at Atlanta when Yates won the uh, 600, the 1100 Suzuki Cup and James Randolph was down there and started racing in 95. Thought I'd do it a couple of years and now here I am 25 26 years later still doing it so yeah yeah that's the thing about you you have a, a very long career in racing and CCS and I mean you were at Daytona you've done some endurance racing and and a lot of other yeah. stuff so you, you you've been around for a long time hey one thing I want to ask you real quick just to get something out of the way um I'm I, I just got to tell you this. I, I absolutely love my dentist. Like I like to go there. I have a good time. He's, he's fantastic. When the hygienist gets done and he comes in, I'm always conflicted by something. His name is Dr. Bob Owens. Sometimes I call him Bob. Sometimes I call him doctor. So I don't, and then I'm like, you're the same way. It's Jeffrey. Is it Jeffrey, Jeff, or do, do we call you doctor? I mean, seriously, I just, how, how do you like to be referred to? Uh, Jeff's perfect. So honestly, I, I, I don't advertise other than I just call it Legacy Dental just because I didn't know what else to call the team since I'm basically my own sponsor. So, you know, if I'm out and right. about, it's, you know, I don't really, I don't really talk much about dentistry. I, I'd rather talk about motorcycles. So. Well, I listen, do. I'm sorry, Jeff, but I got to ask you some dentistry questions really, really quick. All right, right off the bat. The first thing you think of, and I, and I see this happen. I watch a lot of football. I know Paul does too. I know a lot of the guys wear, wear mouth guards, but you know, most yep. times the quarterback doesn't seem to. And I don't know, I don't think guys wear them in motorcycle racing. Do you wear a mouth guard? And do you, do you think riders should wear a mouth guard? <laughs> I do not. I chew great bubblicious. That's sort of my superstition. <laughs> That would be hard with a mouth guard. Yeah. I've I've seen guys wear mouth guards. Uh, Dustin, who I was actually on the track with yesterday for track days, he puts a mouth guard in. So um, I suppose it's a good thing if, you know, guys, you know, tense up and want to, you know, clench their teeth, it'd probably be good. Other than that, you know, you're not out there boxing Mike Tyson. So I don't know why you need it. I'm I'm still I'm still struggling with something here, and that's the fact that Sean said he actually likes going to the dentist. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Must be a cute hygienist. That's all I can say. Well, she is. She's not bad, but you know, luckily, I, t- I my teeth are in good shape. They haven't had to do too much, except I've got one wisdom tooth that I will I refuse to allow to be taken out, and they've actually had to put fillings in it because it's so far back. And he's like, you know, he's like, I wish you had a. Uh, flip top head so I could get back to that tooth a little better. <laughs> but it's well, like, um, come, come to Iowa and Des Moines and uh, I'd be happy to <laughs> extract. You know, I knock, knock you out and get the tooth out for you. That's pretty much all I do. <laughs> I just, I just you, can't do Jeff, it in California legally. <laughs> what? Oh, really? No, you can only practice in certain states, I would imagine. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm just, just licensed in Iowa, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So are you, Jeff, are you originally from Iowa? Is that where you grew up? 
Yep, born and raised. Uh, lived in Houston, Texas for one year. Other than that, yep, Iowa. My whole life. So. What's the nearest track to where you live? <laughs> uh, there used to be one two hours away, um, just south of Council Bluffs, Omaha there, but uh, a few years ago when they had all that flooding, I think it kind of got washed away. Other than that, mm. uh, Heartland Park in Topeka is about four hours. Blackhawk Farms yep. in Beloit is about a little under five. Road A's about six and a half. Road America. Um, we're going to Brainerd, so that's about six hours. So gonna, yeah, nothing close. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, we put one on the schedule. It's at least in the general neighborhood for you in, in Brainerd. Have you been to Brainerd before? Back in the day, yeah, CCS, we used to race up there, and I've done, uh, back when I was AMA Superbike, did uh, rounds back there in like 97 through 2000 or whenever they were there last. So Yeah. Um, but yeah. I haven't been on the new configuration. That's still the old one where you had the, you know, almost mile-long front straightaway for the drag strip going into turn one, WFO, right. hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> turn one. Wow. On a 600. Yeah. But, um yeah so all i remember is uh, really big mosquitoes up there so yeah they're huge yeah <laughs> it's more like birds you talk about <laughs> so. um i'm okay so i i got one more semi-dentistry related question and then we can move on to other yep. things um i you know i just there's all aspects you're a multifaceted guy jeff so we want to find out some stuff so i know like uh i guess it was two years ago um uh, Chris Parrish had crashed, gosh, I think it was at Utah. Um, and he was okay, but he actually kind of cut his elbow a little bit. So he went over to see, I think, Dr. Kyle Price, who is uh, an, a, a plastic surgeon who races in our series in Twins Cup, um, sewed him up. And has anybody ever come to you with uh, for any quick um, consultation on their teeth or whatever? Um, yeah, I'll get asked questions here and there. The only actual work I've ever done was on... Cindy Singer at uh, Gateway in St. Louis. She had a porcelain crown on a, I think her canine, and she chipped it a little bit. It was just really sharp. So I got a drum, a little buffing wheel, and buffed it down for her. And that's all I've ever done. I've offered in up, the paddock. You know, oh yeah, in the paddock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, just enough to take the uh, edge off. So. Yeah, some people drink a bottle of whiskey, but if a Dremel works to take the edge off, I'll do it too, I guess. <laughs> I, got, I have one of those out in the garage, but uh, a Dremel, which I love, but I've never applied it on my teeth. And okay, this I got to bring up. Uh, and have, you seen, have you ever seen the movie Castaway? Oh, yeah. The one with, the yeah. one with Tom Hanks? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where he's got the abs. The ice skate, right? Yeah, uh-huh. That can't, um, that's impossible. There's no way. Uh, if it's abscessed enough, it would actually be kind of loose and it might actually work. And, you know, if you're, trust me, I've never experienced a toothache, but I've heard, you know, thousands of you know, stories from patients. And yeah, you'll get desperate enough to do whatever it takes to get that sucker out of there. So it's conceivable. I I just thought, and just for people that may not remember the scene, it's, he, he, uh, a bunch of packages from the plane that crashed when he went down, some of them washed up on the shore and one of the packages had ice skates in it, which was kind of an irony that he was on this deserted island and had these ice skates. And he ended up taking one of the skate blades because he had a bad toothache 
and I think it was a rock, and he stuck the, the blade in his mouth and hit the end of the uh, the blade with his uh, with the rock, and then they then I then he obviously passed out because they changed the scenes and went to forward in the future. But I thought it was going to come back with him with a gaping, you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, scar on the side of his cheek or something, but he survived it okay. Well, that's movies, I guess. So, um, throwing some Monty Python, it's you know, just a flesh wound. So. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> okay, Jeff, I got another one. What, yeah. What's it like? I don't want to say you're, you're more of an average guy like the rest of us, but I think you probably are closer to being an average guy like the rest of us than, for example, a Cameron Bobier or a Josh Hammond, or one of those, one oh, of those, yeah. one of those other freaks, right? But yeah, for sure. what, what, what's it like being on the track with them? Like, is it, is it intimidating? Do you not think about them? Do you just worry about yourself? I, if, I, if I went out there, I'd be a nervous wreck that I was gonna get in somebody's way or I was just, you know, but, uh, t tell us about that. I mean, what goes through your mind when you're out there with those guys? Don't crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's number um, one. <laughs> well, you know, it's a decent sized track. And there's only, you know, three of us out there. So, um, yeah, they're, you know, quite a few seconds faster lap, but, um, you know, we're spaced out. So it's not frequent that they're going around me. Um, but yeah, it, you know, I certainly don't want to do anything that's going to cause them to fall down, certainly. Um, but yeah, I've hit a couple false neutrals going into two, which is a really slow corner and stood the bike up and I didn't realize they were behind me and I stood them up and you know after it's all done I go back and say hey I'm sorry I hit a fall and they're like nah don't worry about it it happens no big deal I mean they're they're actually really nice um yeah, you know very down to earth you know I walk over there and I'm talking to Jake it's like hey tell me what you know can you really you know with these electronics can you actually go into the corner and just you know mat the throttle and everything else does it for you it's like oh heck no you can't do that you still got to ride sensibly so yeah they're, you know, they're still guys they're really nice they're just really talented so but easy to talk now to jake Tempke was on... there so. oh yeah jake's awesome he's he's gonna yeah. still continue he did, did so much work with cameron i want to i want to jump on what uh, paul said because you're talking about when you're out there on the track during a test with these guys but I think one of the things we want to know is when you're in the middle, when you're racing in our series and there's a lot of people on the track and right. at some point you're eventually going to come into somebody coming by you. So um, yep. what they always say, maintain your line, but you know, I, unfortunately half the time, you know, the fans that see it on TV or something, they're like, you know, yelling, get out of the way, get out of the way. And you have your own race to run and you guys yep. always get ripped for stuff. So from your perspective, <laughs> talk about that, what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, tell us about that. Um, you know, hopefully they, you know, have the blue flags out to alert us that, you know, the leaders are coming up on us. Um, and, you know, I do, I kind of do the math in my head based on the time differential, try to figure out, okay, about what lap can I expect these guys to come around me so I can kind of start to be prepared for that. Um, wow. But, you know, depending on the track and where you hit the blue flag, there's, Yes, you want to maintain your line, but like say, Road Atlanta coming out of five, going down through the yeses, I think Elias was coming up behind me. And all I did was, you know, I moved over like two feet off the curbing so he could go up the inside down the yeses and not be held up by me. So, you know, when you do stuff like that, the nice thing is a lot of those riders will kind of, you know, wave their left hand and, you know, a little thank you. Others, you know, if they feel like they held you up, they kind of 
turn their head and give you the, you know, dagger eyes, so to speak. So Right. Uh, right. And then sometimes, Jeff, you can't help it. Like when you, so you're, you're riding your own race. You're not necessarily yep. looking behind you all the time. So you said you're oh, timing God, no. it out to win those guys when those guys might come up, but are you thinking, well, I don't know if, you know, a lot of times the way Cameron was last year, he'd come through and then there'd be a, a quite a ways before another guy would come up. But are you, are you thinking when that first guy goes by, Oh, I got to be ready. Cause there might be a whole pack of them coming through. How do, how do you do that? Yeah. Um, there is that thought. It's like, all right, you know, when's the next one? I know there's, you know, someone else is going to be coming and then another one. It's just, it's kind of hit and miss. Yeah. Like I said, sometimes you see the blue flag, sometimes you don't. Like uh, at Barber, I damn near ran Matthew Stoltz you know, off the track down the front straight because I didn't know he was coming up on the outside of me there. So um, <laughs> kind of looked over at each other down the front straight like, what are you doing? So. <laughs> and, yet Chuck, and yet Chuck Giacchetto, the team manager of that team, still got you hooked up with Stan Bully to get a bike. So, hey, it's all yeah. love in our paddock, it's, right? It's well, all yeah, you know, it's, it's racing. You know, no one's out there doing anything malicious. You know, it's, at least we hope not. So, yeah, That's you just right. hold the line. The biggest thing is not to do anything unexpected, you know. You know, I've had yeah. Malad pass me, you know, there's been like a foot between me and the edge of the track going through turn two to turn three at Brainerd and he's, you know, on my outside, like, how the hell did you fit through there? Good God. <laughs> you know, as long as yeah. you don't do something unexpected, you keep your line, they'll find the way around. That's their job, find the way around. And, you know, if I go to the track day, that's where I feel like I'm the Bobier on the track because I got the same issues. Like, all right, which way are you going? You know, I got to go this way or that way. So right, it's it's just, it is. Yeah. So, what? you know, I've been passed by, you know, Nikki Hayden back in the day and, you know, Duhamel and Aladdin and Yates, you know, all those guys. Yeah. I've had my doors blown off, so to speak. So, <laughs> you know, I've raced against them. Ooh. <laughs> I've That's been laughing by them all. <laughs> I've talked to Max Blenders and some other guys about this. Um, you know, obviously you, you go to a race and you know, you're not going to win. And I yep. talked to Max like how, how I talked to Max, like how, how do you keep motivated and, what, what are you looking for? And he said, honestly, that he said he just he's just going by lap times and his improvement over the last season or the last time that he was at that track. Do you is that kind of what you do? I mean, do you look to lap times to go, man, I'm getting better at this or, you know, this bike's making me faster and this and that. I mean, is that how you evaluate yourself? Um, yeah, this last year it was about making the cut for their, you know, the Superbike Cup. So I was stock thousand guys. You know, if we went fast enough, we could get into the superbike race. And so that was always the bar I was trying to, to get to. Because um, years gone by, I didn't have trouble qualifying in superbike. And then got older, slower, something happened. Everybody else got faster. I don't know. So dropped back to the stock thousand class because, um, you know, that was the only other class available. And, it, yeah, it's just, you know, every time out this year, each session, you know, I was – faster every time we were making changes and so yeah seeing improvement going faster you know because obviously i'm not going to be you know top five in the superbike race so i gotta have some kind of a objective or you know goal to reach and yeah it's you know, make changes make improvements um just keep trying to move forward and uh yeah i can't compare times of you know 20 years ago because you know the older i get the faster i was so <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but 
you know, right. now this year I've got, you know, I have the bike, um, you know, technical support from Richard and his, and his crew. Um, you know, if I have a problem or just the data, you know, setting up the bike, um, but you know, the rest of it's up to me to get on the bike and try to develop, you know, better skills and, uh, make use of, you know, what the bike has to offer. So. Well, that's what I was going to say, Jeff, is, you know, this late, you know, in your career and having raced for 20 years or so, you probably arguably have, or maybe inarguably have the best bike you will ever have coming into this year, a true full-on super bike that's been a race winner. Is it, it, will it be your best bike ever? Um, it will be the most technologically and most expensive <laughs> bike ever. Um, certainly most, most horsepower, best electronics. Um, as far as, you know, my best lap times, you know, that remains to be seen. I, I certainly hope so. I mean, that's kind of the whole reason I went ahead and, you know, pulled the plug and bought the thing. So no excuses. Yeah. You know? <laughs> are you going to, are you going to have a data guy? Yeah. Um, I have two guys that, um, helped me out last year, race Christensen and, um, Brad Keeter. Brad's a computer. Mm -hmm. He loves the geeky side of things and looking at all the little squiggly lines. So um, I have to get him out here to the attack shop so he can sit down with Richard for a day and learn how to access and, and do everything. So still have to get yeah. that done. Um, yeah, yeah. So last year you probably, you probably had an OEM, uh, uh, probably an ECU that was flashed. Is that right? Um, it's, uh, I actually have the YEC, uh, kit ECU and harness, and then we piggyback on the uh, aim system. We got some potentiometers, so very basic data. Um, uh -huh. you know, the TC is, you know, just the YEC stuff. So it's only so much you can do with that. So, right. Which, you know, I'm old, but, but so I grew up with carburetors and no, you know, no electronics. So, <laughs> Yeah. But on this bike, you have a Morelli system, right? The, on Garrett's old bike? Yes, correct. Yeah, McNay Morelli. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. It's, so uh, you're going full <laughs> on with full superbike super bike ECU and the deep end on that. And it's funny that you mentioned carburetors because I always equate the fact that the black art of tuning carburetors versus the kind of black art of, of manipulating the data and understanding what the sensors are doing on, a, on an ECU system. It's, it's in some ways, I mean, it's probably even more complicated than that, but you know, it used to be the ones that knew how to tune a carburetor back in the day, that was pretty important. And clearly now the guys that know how to manipulate the, the, the ECU and electronics on the bike are equally important. Wouldn't you say there's a little bit of a kind of a comparison there a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's always, you know, you got to tune the bike in, in, in some fashion, you know, like you said, back in the day, it was, you know, getting the jetting correct um, because there was no electronics to tune. You know, now, you know, fuel injection, you don't fiddle with, uh, with that at the track. You just plug your laptop in and look at the squiggly lines and change torque control or some other stuff I don't understand. <laughs> ETV and stuff fuzzies been thrown out to me. It's like, all right, you just, you know, plug in, do what you got to do. Just tell me to get on the bike and go faster. So. Gosh, for me, I mean, it was all street bike riding with me, but I used to hate so much taking the carbs out and changing the jets or the, the needles or moving the clips in and out, in and out all the time. And it used to drive me crazy. At least with fuel injection, you could kind of do it a little, it's a little cleaner at least, right? Oh, much, yeah, much easier. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I used to have to, uh, 
I built a 900 motor and jetted it and took it out, you know, just on some back county roads and had to uh, evade some troopers one day while trying to get this thing jetted properly. <laughs> so that's what you have to do when you're in Iowa and you're four hours away from a track, yeah, I guess, right? Yeah, right. You know, you got to do what you got to do. You know, find exactly. a stretch of interstate that they're still, you know, building or, you know, actually they, they years ago were building a bypass uh, around part of Des Moines and one of the guys that was working, I was a patient of mine and say, hey, can I, I got to do something on my bike. Can I come out and, you know, get on this stretch of road where, you know, it's not open to public traffic and he let me do it. So, yeah, I had couple of times I could go out there and just let it rip and you know try to get it dialed That's in. Great. <laughs> hey this weekend this weekend at Chuck Wall is a, a race, right? Are you going out there to race or are you just gonna do are you just gonna ride around or what? Um I guess yesterday and today there's a small private testing, I think what, ten or fifteen guys out there, fuzzy. Yeah. And then Friday is Apex Assassin's track day. I'm signed up for that. And then uh, was it C C CBMA. CBMA is having races Saturday and Sunday. So um, I signed up for the Friday and races Saturday, Sunday, and hoping to maybe get this afternoon on track as well. So, be good. so yeah, another three and a half days. Perfect. Jeff, so we talked about the fact that you raced for a long time, but um, you, you, you stopped racing in 2011. What, why did you stop and what made you start up again? And when did you start? Was it the, was it the beginning of Moto America or did you come back a little bit before that? Um, the reason I stopped and made an official announcement of retirement was only so I could get um, term life insurance because I had started my business. And, and so I had a, a loan for my dad for the business and my, my grandmother had sold some land and she basically owned my mortgage. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, when I did go back to racing, if something happened, I could, you know, cover the debt to my family. So I had to retire to get the life insurance. And once that was in place, then I, I came back, you know, played the game. So. Wow. That's pretty. So you had a you had a dedicated plan on how you were going to make it. You weren't really you were only quote retiring. You were planning to come back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know I've I've said racing is more addicted than any other drug out there. So. What what is it about it? What is it about it? If if you can it's, explain it. Um, there's a lot of things. Um, you know. Obviously, it started with, you know, love of motorcycles and, and being on the track and, you know, being able to, you know, wrestle one of these bikes around the competition. But then as time went on, um, like, say, you know, Blackhawk Farms, I'm there, you know, five times a year and I see the same people. A lot of these people, you know, I'm, I'm closer to them than I am, you know, a lot of my family. So, you know, it's a, a, a family, you know, that, that travels around kind of like the circus, you know, you show up, you see them, you know, nine or 10 times a year in, in, in different towns, you know, you get to travel, you get to hang out, um, you know, a couple of these families, uh, we went on, uh, you know, there's two other couples, we went on a cruise together years ago, go to Disneyland, we were down at Daytona, you know, go spend time with them over the holidays, you know. Uh, be in their kids, you know, go to their kids' weddings, you know, see the birth of babies. So it's an extended family. That's honestly been one of the greatest things about it. And then, you know, then we get to get on motorcycles, go on the racetrack and race. So, you know, that's just icing on the cake. 
Man, I completely agree with you about that, Jeff. I mean, Paul and I talk about that too. Like last year when we showed up at the barber test, um, that first weekend or first time we're back in the paddock, it feels like, you know, the first day of school, you got all your friends back again, and it's just such a joyful feeling. And then that last race of the season, you know, you know, you're going to be back. It's a little bit poignant. You, you go around, and you kind of say goodbye to people with the idea, you know, see you soon type of thing. But there is nothing like that feeling and that camaraderie that we all have. And, you know, to your yeah. point about you said earlier about Chuck helping you. I mean, people help you. I've helped riders, I'm sure. So it's just a great feeling throughout the paddock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to ask you. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. No, no. Go ahead. I was going to change the subject. Well, not to be a Debbie Downer, but you know, there's always, you know, you know, crashes and you know the odd fatality, which you know, fortunately in in road racing, that's few and far between the fatalities. Which I argue with the insurance companies because you know, why why won't you insure me on the track? But anyway, you know, I've had. Unfortunately, friends who, you know, didn't survive or had bad accidents and ended up, you know, passing away later on. And, you know, that's that's always sad, but, you know, we help pick each other up and, you know, keep going. I've had, you know, crashes and bikes in the back of my pickup truck had to be driven home because I was all busted up. So, you know, there's the highs and the lows, but, you know, we always step up. So. Well, Jeff, that's a that's a great segue for this next question that I've got for you. I've been dying to ask you this one. So you, uh, that's a bad choice of words. I'm sorry. I've been excited to, to ask you this question. But um, yeah, that was bad. So, I mean, you look at our, our president, um, Wayne Rainey, and, you know, he's got half a half a pinky. Um, Roger Hayden doesn't have a pinky on one hand. I know, get, speaking of Garrett Gerloff, he had a bad crash a few years ago. Um, did everything he could to save his pinky and it's now fine. But you know, Josh Hayes, hands are kind of gnarly. You are a dentist. Your hands are so important to what you do and you road race. So does that cross your mind at all? Anything about my gosh, this, you know, my, what, what my, my hands are my money here <laughs> and I'm risking it every time I, I go out on the track. Um, apparently I don't cause otherwise I probably wouldn't be out there. Um, no, I, <laughs> I, yeah, I guess I must be wired differently. I just uh, assume the risk and go for it. You know, I've I've been injured and, um, you know, couldn't work for two or three months at a time, you know, a handful of times over the years. But, uh, you know, still keep doing it. So, you know, by definition, that's an addiction. You know, you suffer consequences, but, you know, continue to do it. So <laughs> I guess that's the only explanation I can give you. <laughs> Yeah, there, there you go. And by the way, I'm not trying to discourage you. I think you know that. I just oh, being no, no. asking you a question. Yeah, understanding yeah, the thing. I, so, I, couple. Of, I know we, we're getting ready to wrap up here, but I got to ask you a couple other things. One of the things that you've done in your career quite a bit is endurance racing, and uh-huh. you know, I mentioned, I mentioned Josh Hayes. I've talked to him a lot, and he talks about the benefit of doing that and how in his, early in his career, even though he got a late start, one of the reasons that things that led to his success is all the endurance racing he did. Um, what, what's your opinion on endurance racing? And would you like to see it in Moto America? And I'm not asking you that because we're thinking about it. In fact, I might get yelled at because I'm even bringing it up. But personally, I used to love, you know, watching endurance racing um, back in the day. If You know, not like necessarily maybe eight hour ones or longer than that, but some that were, you know, on a Saturday or something. And you'd see some of these other guys in classes would enter their bikes if it fit in that class in order to get a little bit more track time. So 
what do you think about endurance racing in general? And would you like to see it in Moto America? Um, I personally love endurance racing um, mm -hmm. because, you know, usually we're not doing pit stops other than the, you know, the Daytona 200. That's the only time, you know, you, you see pit stops. Um, yeah, it does give extra practice time, which is cool. And I think back in the day, AMA Superbike had some kind of endurance racing, if I remember right, back in the early 90s. Yeah, they I did. Yeah. Um, I know Arion Racing was, was big into that. So, um, you know, and then Moto ST was around for about three years. So that was a, a good thing. Um, it's you know, there's only so much racing you can pack into a weekend. Um, and with the way they, they got it now, you know, with all the different classes, there's, uh, I don't know if there's really enough time. I think it'd be cool um, to have it back. And, <laughs> um, you know, like I said, it just, it gives the sport a whole different look because now you've got this whole crew and these pit stops and rider changes and, um, I just personally like it because you can just get in a, in a rhythm and just, you're just going lap after lap, clicking off laps. And it's not so much about, you know, a sprint race. It's about, you know, consistency and can this bike hold together. And, you know, there's so many things that can, that can go wrong over the course of, you know, even just a two hour race. So, um, you know, it just brings a whole lot of other issues or you know things that can happen during a race that you don't get in a relatively short you know sprint race well you you gave me another segue about endurance racing that i want to ask you so back and, you, and you're correct in uh ama at one time had endurance racing they had gto and gtu two different classes and one of the things i i loved is moto liberty out of uh, texas had a team that danny walker raced for and he that they actually one year campaigned a TZR250, the V-twin version of that bike that had a TZ engine in it. And because it had a street, a production-based frame, he was they were able to race that in the class. And they won uh, an endurance championship on a, on a TZ250 engine, TZR. And it led me to buy, I still own, I have a 92 uh, TZR250R, which is my pride, one of my pride and prides and joy in my garage. And uh, the thing is beautiful. I love it. It's still it's still um, restricted to only 45 horse like it came from the factory, but it's more than enough for me to go out on a Sunday and bomb around. So here's my question, Jeff. You have endurance race the TZ250, just like Danny Walker did. How the heck do you do that? I mean, do you have to rebuild <laughs> the engine after you're done? Well, the best part was, um, you know, the, the other four guys all had their own TZ250s. I never actually owned one, so... They did all the tuning. I just got to jump on the bike and ride it. So I don't know what they did after the race, <laughs> but it was a blast like to ride. Oh, I loved yeah. it. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> brakes. You don't need no brakes. Just throw it in the corner and go. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no two strokes. I wish they'd make a comeback, and maybe they will. They're still trying to develop that technology a little more. So, um, well, I've I've dominated the last half of this. Uh, podcast i apologize paul i just um i can't help myself sometimes as you know but uh it's fine i i, I went down the street and got breakfast so i <laughs> i miss anything <laughs> probably jeff wants to do the same thing at this point but um uh, actually we just jeff just rolled in the chuck wall i see the dunlop <laughs> banner up so i was gonna say he's probably already he's talked himself all the way to chuck walla 
Well, Fuzzy was driving. I'm just sitting here in the passenger seat the whole time. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on with us. It's nice to talk to you. It's nice to get to know you a little bit better. And uh, we'll obviously be checking in with you throughout the season. And it's, it's, cool. Oh, yeah. that. it's cool. You've got a really nice motorcycle under you for this year. I think that's going to be a lot of fun um, riding it, racing it, and, you know, working with it to try to make it as good as you can possibly make it. So thanks for joining us on the, on the show. And, you know, be safe and good luck this weekend. And keep, keep running around in circles and getting better. <laughs> well, thanks yeah. for having me on. Uh, appreciate the uh, opportunity. So, yeah, look forward to speaking again with you guys. Give you an update on how yeah, things Jeff. are going. And yeah, Jeff, I mean, I'm, uh, I got to personally thank you for making the commitment, not only to, with Tomoto America, but, you know, with the new bike and everything you're doing. We know what you guys, you privateers do to get yourselves in the show. And it's, you know, it makes the show. So, you know, a huge uh, shout out to you and tip of the hat to you and, and your guys to do what you're doing and keep doing it. Um, we really appreciate it. Um, and, and speak, and speaking of that, I want to just close by saying, you know, we've made some more announcement this week in terms of what our, our TV packages are going to be for the year. And, and uh, we want to make sure that the fans know to go on to our uh, website, motoamerica.com and go to the schedule because we've got some tickets that are already um, for some of our races that are on sale already. And, and we're, we're a lot of people are buying the Live Plus subscription service again this year um, and it rolls over for people that have had it last year and um, it's, it's, uh, it automatically renews. So um, that's for a lot of people coming up for renewal, but it's been very popular and, and uh, we've got a season coming. Jeff's going to be part of it in the full on superbike uh, class with a, a, a badass fire breathing uh, Yamaha R1. So, you know, definitely come and see him or watch on TV or on uh, our live streaming and, and look for the number 31. Uh, right, Jeff? That's going to be your number? That's right, 31. Okay, look for it. Thanks, Jeff, so much. No, okay, thank you, guys. Uh, thank you. Be safe. Will do. Take care.